0: Listening to the Sports Daily, I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. A good Friday show for you. The NBA schedule was released yesterday, but only 80 games. Why? Only 80 games for everybody? We've talked about it before in the past, but it's been a while, so we'll refresh your memory on that. I've got an interesting comparison between two college football programs that you might be stunned about. And oh, yeah the Los Angeles Dodgers are absolutely rolling since the All-Star break. And actually, even rolling even more since the trade deadline. We'll get back to that. We'll get to all of that momentarily. All right, let's start in the NBA. The schedule was released yesterday, and you're not going to believe this. Everybody plays everybody. (laughs) The only thing good about a schedule release... The NFL, remember I told you, some teams got real creative with it. The Tennessee Titans had the best one where they would ask people on the street, show them the logos of all of the Titans opponents this year, and have them guess what team it was. That was funny. Well, for the NBA, the Brooklyn Nets copied it yesterday, and it was just as funny. Um, some, of the, <laughs> some of the answers that the people gave of showing them the logo of NBA teams, these people had no clue, but it was uh, it was really good check it out. If you go to, just go to uh, Twitter. No, I'm not calling it X. Go to Twitter, pull up the Brooklyn Nets Twitter account, and you'll see it on there. It's about a minute and a half of people being shown a picture of who the Brooklyn Nets play this year and them guessing their team names. It's really good. Anyway, the thing about yesterday's schedule release, there's not much you can do with 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 football. It's like okay, there's only 16 games, and we already know who six of them are because they're your divisional games. So, you're really only breaking down 10 games and looking at who they play and when they play, and is it a nationally not nationally televised, but is it a Thursday night game, is it the Sunday night game or the Monday night game because those are the like the quote unquote featured games, or is it a you know Thanksgiving Day game or This year, they're going to have a Black Friday game in the NFL. So that's really all you're doing when you look at an NFL schedule after its release. But with the NBA, you play 82 games, and we already know how it goes. You basically play everybody in your conference minimum three times, and then you play everybody in the other conference twice, once at home and once on the road. Now, it might be a little bit different this year, and that's because of the NBA Cup, which starts in November. And we don't need to break everything down about the NBA Cup, but what it is is an in-season tournament. And the reason why, when the NBA schedule was released yesterday, everybody only got 80 games on the schedule. That's because the NBA Cup works like this. There is um, basically, what's, uh, six, right? Right? Six five-team groups. So you play everybody in your group once. And so you play four games. And it's almost like World Cup action. In your group, whoever is the winner of that group, there's going to be six winners. Three in the Eastern Conference, three in the Western Conference. And then the best team that didn't win in their group, going by record, and I don't know if there's a tie tie by record. I don't know if they go by total points or point differential. I don't know if they've said that yet. But... Four teams in the East and four teams in the West will advance to the quarterfinals of the NBA Cup, which means 22 teams don't make the NBA Cup. Those 22 teams that fail to qualify for the knockout rounds, which is the final eight, they're going to have their final two games scheduled, one at home and one on the road, on December 6th and December 8th against other teams that were eliminated in that group of 22. So that's how they get to 82 games. The East teams that lose in the quarterfinals, the two teams in the East that lose in the quarterfinals and the West will play each other on December 7th. And the teams that lose in the semis in Las Vegas will have already played their allotment of 82 games. And the team that reached the championship game will end up playing 83 games, but the 83rd game does not count in the statistics. So that's why an 80-game schedule was released. We can talk about the NBA Cup until we're blue in the face about whether or not this is going to be interesting or fun or the guys are going to care. I mean, I'm sure they will care because basically it's every um, four, Thursday, four Fridays and three Tuesdays in the month of November are when the games played on that day. They aren't additional games. They're just games that are already part of the schedule. They just mean more. So when you know you have a Tuesday night game on November 14th, that game is one of going to be one of your games against one of the other uh, four teams in your pod, you know, or in your group, because it's group A. East has A, B, C, and West A, B, C. So if you look at the groups, uh, you know, just take the West C group is the Kings, the Warriors, um, OKC, San Antonio, and I believe Minnesota. Yeah, Timberwolves. So let's just say the Warriors and Kings play on Tuesday November 14th. Whoever wins that game is now 1 and 0 for the NBA Cup. And then the Kings are going to play the other, you know, the other four teams. So you're going to have like I said, a winner of each group, the three groups and the best team that didn't win a group. And I don't know how they determine that yet. And then we go on and, and you play the NBA Cup. And all the NBA Cup is, yes, the players, I think the winning team gets five hundred thousand dollars every player. It's like, okay, great. These guys are making 40 to 50 million a year. Like that is chump change. They don't care. And at the end of the year, when the NBA champion is crowned, is anyone gonna give a shit who won the NBA Cup back in early December? No. That's why I don't understand it. While the games will mean stuff and people are still going to tune in and watch and you know maybe you get a, a good matchup on December 9th in Las Vegas for the championship of the NBA Cup, but it's not like it's going to be two teams that never play each other and never see each other. It's just going to be another NBA game with just a different title to it is really all it is. So I understand they want to do this because they want to add some sort of intrigue to the early season of the NBA because we know the NBA starts on October 25th this year. We know most people don't pay attention to the NBA until Christmas Day because that's when the Christmas Day has five good matchups. And it's really the first time anyone really tunes into the NBA and starts caring because most of the bowl games are over and college football is over and NFL is in like week 16, 17 at that point. So I get what they're trying to do. I just don't know how much of an interest this is going to send out to teams and people. Like I, you know, they're they're competitive players. Like it's still going to count in the regular standings as well. So of course they're still going to try and win. It's not like they're going to get out there and just be played like an all star game. No, because these are games that are still part of the regular season. Which is why I, which is why I kind of uh, applaud them for at least not changing the whole schedule. All they did. Was make the games that were already on the schedule more important because if they just said, "Oh, in addition to your 82 games, you're going to play in a tournament in season where we're adding more games," these guys wouldn't give two shits. So, and then you know, and the way and the way it plays out, the semifinals are going to be on December 7th, and the two winners of that semifinal game are going to play December 9th. Uh, in Vegas. The seventh, the semifinals and the finals are going to be in Vegas. But December 9th is right around the time of conference championships. So it's a weekend where there's going to be so much going on and we're also going to crown the winner of the first ever NBA Cup. So it'll be a bragging rights thing. I don't think this is going to be something that people think is bigger than the NBA finals and will take over at some point. It's just, it's just to add intrigue. I I applaud them somewhat for doing it. I just don't see how this is going to involve and generate that much more interest in the regular season just because it's all happening in November with the semi, with the quarterfinals um, being played December 4th and 5th and then uh, on the home court of the team with a better record and then they go to Vegas for the semis and finals. Okay. You know, people will check it out. They'll watch. I just... I just don't think at the end of this people are going to be like, wow, look at the Milwaukee Bucks, NBA Cup champions. Be like, great. They want a couple extra games against teams they play anyway. You know? They're doing what they can to draw interest. Like I said, this takes place Tuesdays, over three Tuesdays in November and four Fridays in November. And that's how you get to your group champions, and then, you know, like I said, December 4th and December 5th, quarterfinals happen at the higher seeded team's home court, semifinals in Vegas. So, I mean, I'll give it a chance. I just at the end of the day, the winning team gets 500,000 each. It's like, okay, but they make 40 a year. Maybe the 15th guy on the bench is excited that they won this thing because he gets a $500,000 paycheck. But certainly the best players on either of these teams is already making, you know, 30, 40 times more than that. You know, so I don't know. I don't really see the intrigue here, but I'll give it a chance. So I saw this statistic in regards to college football, and it's something that with the new leagues being formed and... We know that the Big Ten and the SEC and the Big 12 and the ACC are the Big Four conferences now. And when you talk about the dissolution of the Pac-12 with Cal, Stanford, Washington State, and Oregon State, the only teams left in the Pac-12 after this season, you're like, what are they going to do? And I've already told you about this. The Pac-12 has zero – doesn't cost you anything – to leave the conference. That's why all these teams did. There was zero exit fee, which was a big blunder by the Pac-12. So you're like, well, why doesn't the Pac-12 just swipe up all the Mountain West teams? Because that's because there's a $32 million exit fee to leave the Mountain West. So it looks like those Pac-12 teams are going to have to be absorbed by somebody else. They're going to have to go to the Mountain West or go to the Big 12 or, you know, talks about Cal and Stanford going to the ACC, whatever the case may be. But Stanford... I've talked about this a few times on the podcast. Stanford football is just not that big of a deal, especially to the fan base there. And but it wasn't that long ago that they were good. Do you realize from in the 2010 era, the 10 years from 2010 to 2019, Stanford football I mean, it's an amazing stat. Stanford football went 98 and 35. During that same exact time, 2010 to 2019, which wasn't very long ago, 2019, Georgia, the Bulldogs from Georgia, went 136. So Georgia only won two more games than Stanford football from 2010 to 2019. Stanford also had more BCS slash... New Year's six bowl appearances, five to four. And they also had more wins in the BCS New Year's New Year's six games, three to two versus Georgia. But the problem is, ever since 2019, Stanford has stunk. Four and two in 2020 because they only played six games because of COVID. In the last two years, Stanford went three and nine and three and nine. Whereas Georgia since 2019, went eight and 14 and one, and fifteen and zero. So that's where it gets skewed. But not too long ago, Stanford, over a ten-year period, won more playoff games and appeared in more playoff games than Georgia, and only lost two less games in them. You look at Georgia from 2010 to 2019: six and seven, ten and four, twelve and two, eight and five, ten and three, ten and three, eight and five. 13-2, 11-3, 12-2. And then Stanford, you're just like, you remember? The first year, to 2010, that was Jim Harbaugh's last year. They went 12-1 and one and won the Orange Bowl. Then in 2011, David Shaw took over, and he coached them all the way up until last year. But if you look at David Shaw's numbers, 2011, 11-2, 12-2, 11-3, 8-5, 12-2, 10-3, 9-5, 9-4, and then his last year he went 4-8. and eight. So – Yeah, 98 wins in a 10-year period, and Georgia only had, not only, but Georgia had only won two more games than Stanford. And now look at the programs. Georgia is the two-time defending national champion, and Stanford is in a conference with Oregon State, Washington State, and Cal. And they don't have a home for next year because they can't be in a conference of four. They're probably going to end up going to the Mountain West because it doesn't look like the Big 12 is going to pick them up. Doesn't look like the ACC is going to pick them up. They're going to have to almost either cancel football or swallow their pride and go to a conference like the Mountain West or the AAC. I just, it's, am- it's amazing because for 10 years under David Shaw, they were really good. And they've just been back to back three and nine years, pretty much led to David Shaw's ouster, and he's gone. They brought in um, the head coach from Sacramento State, I believe. That was that's where he came from, right? Um, what's his name? God, I'm blanking on his name. Troy Taylor. Yeah, he came from uh, yeah Sacramento State. Where Sacramento State, in his three seasons coaching Sacramento State, he went nine and four, nine and three, and twelve and one. But in conference he went 7 1 8 0 and 8 0 23 and 1 in conference 30 and 8 he lost in uh, division 1 in the quarterfinal game and in the second round and second round they didn't go very far in the playoffs but 23 and 1 in conference uh, for an f for an fcf school uh, not bad at all and they did not have a season in 2020 so he only coached 3 years Sacramento State and got the Stanford job and looks to be turning it around they did sign uh, one of the top quarterbacks in the nation, in Modern Day quarterback Elijah Brown, who started every year um, since his freshman year at Modern Day. I'm sure you've heard of Modern Day football. They've a couple times, three or four times, have been the national champion in high school football. Um, I always mix his name up. I always want to call him Elijah Young, but it's Elijah Brown. He signed with Stanford. So. Who knows? I mean, maybe Stanford is getting back on the right track. We're going to have to see, going into the season, is this guy in over his head coming from an FCF school to now coach Stanford? I guess time will tell. And finally, we're going to end this with a little baseball. Don't look now, but the Los Angeles Dodgers are the hottest team in baseball, and they now have the second-best record in all of baseball. This is a Dodger team that literally has been riddled with injuries on their pitching staff. Clayton Kershaw missed, I believe, six to eight weeks. Dustin May having have another surgery. Walker Bueller hasn't pitched all year. I mean, this is this is a team that has start, Tony Gonsolin been injured so many times. This is a team that <laughs> up until the All-Star break, I, I, the last time I checked the standings, I was like, oh, the Dodgers are hanging in there. They're like one or two games out of first place. The Dodgers now have a 10 and a half game lead in the NL West and the second-best record in baseball. Why? Because ever since the trading deadline, they're 15-1. Not to mention they've won 11 in a row. Just swept the Brewers. 15-1 since the trading deadline on August 1st. And 13 of those 15 wins have been by two runs or more. So it's not like they're just getting by. They're just knocking the cover off the ball. Winners of 11 in a row, 15 of 16 since the trading deadline. They're 74-46, 28 games over five hundred now, 10-and-a-half game lead in the West. I mean, them and the Braves, you can pretty much pencil them in, are going to be the two teams that get a bye in the first round of the playoffs. And now the Dodgers are only, what, 4? They're only four games behind the Braves for best record in baseball. They could end up with the number one seed. And this is a team that I, I don't want to say was struggling. I mean, they offensively, they were good all year. The only thing that was keeping them back was their pitching. And then the trade deadline, they go out and get Lance Lynn. They go out and get to bring back Joe Kelly to bolster their bullpen. And now they're just firing on all cylinders. They have the third best run differential in all of baseball and the second best record. Only run differential better than them are the Braves at plus 208 and the Rangers at plus 195. They're at plus 147. I just, they're just, they seem to do this every year. And now it's going to be, what, 10 of the last 11 years they've won the NL West? As a Dodger fan, I'm happy. But obviously, the thing we talked about earlier this week, you got to turn this into a World Series title. Because if you don't and you make the playoffs the last 11 years and you have one World Series title to show for it, and that was in a 60-game season, you know, I'm not taking the World Series title away from them, but I know that everybody that isn't a Dodger fan is. So, yeah, it does kind of suck to have to defend them when, when people say that. But I'm sorry. It was a regular postseason. Every team in the postseason had also played 60 games. They were just as rested as the Dodgers. All the games, everyone else that they played was trying. It's not like they were just lobbing the ball up to home plate and weren't trying to win games. They just hadn't put in an extra 100 regular season games. But, I mean, I, it's going to be tough because, I mean, they get to the playoffs, you just never, ever know. And I, it is it is a crapshoot. I mean, 29 teams every year in the Major League Baseball go home not winning the World Series. So you can't say it's a failure if you don't win it every year because everyone knows you can't win it every year. It just doesn't happen. It's not a failure if the Dodgers don't win the World Series. Is it disappointing? Sure. But I'd much rather have a team, and this goes back to my point on Monday, I'd much rather have a team that gives you a chance every single year. You can't win the World Series if you don't even make the playoffs. Like if you're a a fan of the Oakland A's, your season is over in April. You know this. If you're a Royals fan – Your season is over in April. Before the season even starts, you know you're not making the playoffs. And even if you had a glimmer of hope, you're pretty much out of it after the first month of the season. Braves have a solid organization. The Dodgers have a solid organization. You don't win 10 of the last 11 NL West titles if you don't have a solid organization. And the one year you didn't win it, you won 106 games. It just so happened the Giants won 107. So, I I mean... The Dodgers are about as solid as you can get as an organization. You just want them to turn it into a World Series title. It'd be nice. They have two World Series titles since 1988. You know, that's 35 years and two World Series titles, and one of them was on a shortened season. So, yeah. But I'll never complain about the way the organization is run, although I'm not big on their analytics department. I am a fan of they're solid every year and they'll have they have no problem going out and spending money. I mean, they let a lot of guys go in this offseason. They basically cut payroll this offseason, and here they are on August eighteenth with the second best record in all of baseball and winners of fifteen of sixteen and eleven in a row and twenty eight games over five hundred. I mean, this is just that just goes to show what a solid organization they are and have been for over a decade now. Thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Please follow me on Apple Podcasts. Also, rate and review. That really helps the podcast as well. Pass it along to your friends. Let them know about it. We're back on Monday with yet another full week of Sports Daily Podcasts. Again, thank you all for listening. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you!